if UVA is going to be on a run of winning national championships, then yeah, I don't care. Uh, this global warming stuff, I don't care about anymore. Burn all the glaciers. <laughs> let's let's end the planet. <laughs> yeah, let's. I don't need to be here for this. Um, I'm okay. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. All right, another week, another Yak Sports Podcast, and we are here to talk about actually new sports news. That's not just guessing of when we're going to see live sports again or guessing on which teams are going to draft which players. We're actually going to talk about things that happened. So Joe Deck is with me like normal, and Joe, let's just dive into the draft, and let's just talk about some of those top stories early. What surprised me the most with the draft, and we'll get to the entertainment value and, and what our comments on what we saw, but talking about the business at hand, I was surprised there was no early trades. I was really thinking the Redskins had potential to trade down. They didn't, and that's fine. But then no trades until I think it was like 13 or 14. That that really surprised me. Yeah, I do think one of the reasons you didn't have any trades was just the situation that the draft had to be in. Uh, it was different. It was a virtual draft. Uh, everybody was in their own homes Uh, far away from each other and very unusual. And so you have GMs and coaches and draft personnel all calling each other and all video conferencing each other, which is not normal. So it probably makes it harder to negotiate a trade uh, if you don't have some of the parameters already figured out before going into draft day. So, and with the Redskins, I think the reason they didn't trade was they like Chase Young and yeah. Why not? Um, but so I think that was probably the reason you didn't see as much trading, especially early on as normal. Um, I, I thought the one weird thing was in a draft where quarterbacks were being talked about a little bit, uh, you put it on here and I agree with you. New England not taking a quarterback seemed kind of weird. Uh, I don't know if they've got a plan for a free agent that they like or what, but to me, I thought it was weird that they didn't go get a quarterback uh, but, uh, yeah. oh, well, I mean, any other franchise, you'd probably be more worried, but it's new England. So you just kind of assume something's going to work out or they have something in their back pocket. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, I don't know what the plan is, but I'm sure, like you said, because it's new England and bill Belichick, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, I know that the bills, I was kind of surprised the bills took Jake Fromm. I, I'm surprised Jake Fromm was there for the bills to take in the fifth round. I I was, yeah. that's the guy who left Georgia early and uh, got drafted in the fifth round. So not a good call by him. We'll talk about other people leaving. That's not a good call. I but, was, I mean, I was talking to somebody that, that, that maybe new England just really liked Bryce love. And, and that's why green Bay traded up to make sure they got him. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why Green Bay would care that much what New England's doing, so I don't really put any validity to that thought. But, I I mean, that rolls into why the heck was Green Bay drafting a quarterback there and trading up to do so and not getting their quarterback who's begging for a wide receiver a wide receiver. Yeah, I didn't think that was a smart move by Green Bay, but I don't think that quarterback's going to be successful in the NFL anyway. So tr- yeah, trading up why... to get him did not seem like a good move to me. I, I know – it seems easy to say this now because Aaron Rodgers has proven to have a, a Hall of Fame career and win a Super Bowl. But, like, I thought he was pretty good when he was coming out of college. He had played Virginia Tech in a bowl game, so I was really aware of what he was doing at Cal. 
mean, he was a good player. And then it was shocking that he had fallen that low. And I think that's why Green Bay pulled that trigger then was because it was so much value that had been dropping and then they really liked him. Um, I don't see how this situation parallels that. I know during the draft, um, you know, my friend group, and I'll talk a little bit more about that, but that was our comments early was saying, hey, you know, Brett Favre was around this age when they did this with Aaron Rodgers and that, and, and they talked about on ESPN short, shortly later. And I don't, I don't draw the comparisons that closely. The age is somewhat comparison, but I don't think Bryce Love is the prospect that Aaron Rodgers is or was then and obviously has proven to be. But I, I don't know. It just seems like mismanagement there. And if they are, um, if they were really that worried about the next quarterback, I would get somebody better than Bryce Love, and I would also have given Aaron Rodgers more weapons in the meantime. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't think that's going to end up being a thing that works. Um, let's move on to the local aspect of the draft in terms of players that got drafted. Uh, we talked about New England not taking a quarterback. What they did do was take Dalton Keene in the third round, which was surprising. He wasn't the highest-rated tight end, according to the draft experts, when New England took him. Uh, in fact, he was picked about three rounds before anybody expected him to be picked. But New England... Uh, they they went up there and they got him in the third. So we'll see. Um, I know a lot of the people that have talked about it said he fits New England's system perfectly, and this is going to be a slam dunk and all this, and all you Dalton Keene haters, this is proving you wrong. We'll see. Um, I, I've got something for the Ben DiNucci crowd, too, <laughs> later. But, um, it, you know, when, it, when these people are like, see, this proves all you people wrong, and I'm like, okay, let's see how it goes. Like, I, let's see if Dalton Keene is a fit. Let's see if Dalton Keene does anything in the NFL. Um, he's a third-round pick, so that makes me think he's probably going to make the team. I, I don't think the Patriots are going to take him in the third round if they think there's a chance of him not being on the team at, when the season starts. But uh, I, I just – I don't know. I didn't see it when he was at Tech that he was an NFL player. I don't see it now. I mean, when you're asking me, do I think Dalton Keene is a better tight end than Jeff King? No. So – Jeff King didn't get drafted, so or if he did, he didn't get drafted that he high. Did. He did. I mean, he was young for the Panthers. He played for a while. Oh, that's right. He did play for a while. Okay, yeah, yeah. you're right. That's uh, probably a bad comparison if you don't think King's very good. I, I, I'm rooting for the kid. And, no, I and, think King's and better. I think you're not. I think Jeff King is better than Dalton Keene. And so, like, yeah, yeah. I, the fact that Dalton Keene is the highest tight end ever drafted out of Virginia Tech, like, that's surprising yeah. to me. I, I just don't think he's as good as it, some other tight ends it, we've had. It would have been Heath Miller if he just would have come here to play tight end, like. UVA told him he wasn't going to have to do it UVA and then of course did but uh I don't know I'm rooting for Dalton Keene I don't think you're not rooting for him I think you just don't project him to be high I was shocked he went that high I really was third round I mean I was worried about him getting drafted I thought New England I mean when he declared for the draft early I think New England Patriots was one of the first words out of my mouth was you know that's that's his hope that's where he hopes to go and I figured they could just sit around and wait and maybe even sign him as an unrestricted free agent or, or draft him in the late rounds but no, I guess there must have been there must have been more pressure for them to draft him that high. There must have been more interest than we were giving him credit for. And so, I mean, I'm happy for the kid. He's going to make more money because he was drafted higher, and he has a better shot to make the team. I just, I, I'm rooting for him. I just, I guess I'm still pessimistic, and I hope, I hope it for his sake as and for our team. It's good for the Hokies to put these guys in the NFL and then be successful. So I want that to happen. I guess I'm just not sitting here looking at like like I did when Michael Vick or D'Angelo Hall was coming out of Virginia Tech, where I was like, I know they'll have an impact on those teams. Uh, 
it'll be interesting to see how this works out for him. I mean, if Tom Brady was still there, maybe I'd have better hope because I know he dumps it down to tight ends. But I don't know who their quarterback is going to be in the long term. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, Reggie Floyd ended up signing with the Cardinals. He did not get drafted, but he did sign. Uh, shocker, Ryan Willis still hasn't signed. And Deshaun McLeese, who left early from Tech, hasn't signed. He did put on Twitter that he will remember this and this will motivate him. And that's fine. He, it can motivate him at the family dinner table because he's not playing. He's not going to – I don't even think he's going to get signed. The fact that he hasn't been signed yet, if you have made it this Bad long time. after the draft and haven't been signed – you are not a priority free agent. You are a, if someone gets hurt and we absolutely just need a body to fill a spot, maybe, but I don't think he's going. The fact that he left early was stupid to me. I don't know who gave him that advice, but it was terrible advice and he took it. And now NFL teams have been sitting here. They watched a whole or, you know, half a season of XFL with running backs on those teams with pro experience Mm -hmm. that, to me, it looked better than Sean McLeese. Like I don't, I, I never understood why he left early. And well, bad news for him. He doesn't even have the, Yeah, bad news for him. He doesn't even have the XFL to go to to try to prove himself. Yeah, that, that's gone. Exactly. So, enjoy family dinner because I think that's it, that's what's going to be motivating is fighting at the family dinner table to get first in line. I guess because <laughs> he's not going to be getting any yards on a football field. I it remind that reminds me of the point though. I was wondering if Phillips, we were going to hear him get signed, kind of running into draft week here, of somebody that wanted a proven player, a a player that played pretty well in college, had highlights, uh, you know, uh, good stats, and then actually played in the XFL and played well. I was surprised we haven't seen him sign yet. I think he'll get signed. I don't think this is a bad, bad sign. I just was surprised that didn't get kind of handled pre-draft of some one of these teams that put place – Phillips, like as a second or third round draft pick talent, just going ahead and locking him up so they have him on the roster. But we'll see. You know, it's a deep draft class for the wide receiver, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, speaking of deep at wide receiver, uh, UVA had a couple guys drafted. Joe Reed, their wide receiver, went in the fifth round to the Chargers. They also had Bryce Hall go in the fifth round to the Jets. Uh, Max signed with the Panthers, the linebacker there. And then Bryce Parkins, not drafted, but signed with the L.A. Rams. And so he'll have his opportunity there. And, you know, we all we said and we still haven't get to the Danucci talk, but Bryce Perkins, we said better than Willis, better than Danucci. And we saw articles about those two guys getting drafted and not much news about Bryce Perkins. Well, here's Bryce Perkins got signed. So good for him, you know, taking the, the rivalry out of it. He's not looking to be an NFL starter next year. He's looking to develop his talent, see how he can produce for a team, make the team, that kind of thing. Maybe he might actually be on a practice squad to kind of earn his spot somewhere, but at least he is signed somewhere. So he can at least say that. And I mean, he's an athletic guy that can do a lot of things. So it'll be interesting if he's able to catch on there or somewhere else. Yeah, I think he'll definitely be on a practice team somewhere. If the Rams don't end up keeping him, I think it would really be smart for a team in the AFC North to pick him up uh, and run him as a scout team quarterback to try to imitate Lamar Jackson. Cause he's not Lamar Jackson, but he has the same kind of skill set that a Lamar Jackson has. And so to me, that just seems to be a good fit. And it's not just Lamar Jackson. There are more quarterbacks like that popping up in the NFL. So that's why I think he will end up on a practice team somewhere. I think he will, when it's all said and done, be part of an organization. I, I like you, he's not going to be starting. I don't even think he'll be a backup. I think he's going to be a practice squad quarterback 
and and that's fine. Um, but I think that's his future in the NFL right now, unless you know he starts making leaps and bounds uh, once he gets into an NFL training facility and can really develop, or or unless he switches positions. All right, so let's get to probably the thing we railed against last week. Uh, we didn't think Ben Denucci was going to get drafted. We just we were haters, uh, and we were proven wrong. He got drafted. Yes, it was late round, uh, seventh round, I believe, to the Dallas Cowboys, but he got drafted, and he has some kind of existing relationship through Mike McCarthy and some some common people that they knew. That's what I saw cited. Um, but Jerry Jones on his yacht, he calls Ben DiNucci to to come be a cowboy. I I'm shocked. I just I watched that kid play live. I watched that kid play, you know, when they weren't on Flow Sports, and so I could actually watch him. I I just didn't see it. I saw him do a lot more harm than good in a lot of spots. Um, and then and then where he was good, I wouldn't say he was good. He was serviceable. He 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 played his position. I just didn't see him standing out like a quarterback that gets drafted in the NFL. I I would be shocked if he makes the team. I would be shocked if he has anything involved in an NFL organization. I can't believe it. Uh, he is. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think he's good. And that's one. The, the JMU, you know, Danucci Nation or whatever is dunking on they're trying to dunk on everybody and be like oh well, this all you people who said he wasn't any good well he got drafted uh, okay bad people get drafted all the time oh uh, what does that mean oh because ben denucci got drafted he's he's better than badly if you think ben denucci was a better quarterback than badly please go lay down on the interstate so someone can run you over you're too stupid badly to live you're too better. stupid to live you're too stupid to breathe you're wasting valuable oxygen <laughs> that could be used to help other people because that is totally ridiculous ben denucci is absolutely the reason we didn't win a national championship this year and i just don't think he is good i don't think he's better than uh ronnie landers i think there's a lot of jmu quarterbacks that have come through those through that tunnel and it are better than ben denucci so the fact that ben denucci got drafted and those didn't i mean okay i don't think that makes him a better quarterback i just think that means he had a connection with mike mccarthy and cool Let's see how long that connection lasts. It's going to get him in the door. They're going to say, oh, this kid sucks, and he's going to get cut. If they have a preseason, he won't survive it. The only thing I have to disagree with you there is, I mean, the Dukes run out of a blow-up dog. They don't really run out of a tunnel. It's more of an inflatable dog that they run out of. Sure. I think you missed an opportunity there to, to accurately describe what they run out of. Uh, Rondell Carter, the defensive end from there, he signed with the Cowboys. Um, Stapleton. Dylan signed with the Houston Texans. You know, Riley Stapleton didn't sign. I, I, and, you know, he was such the great player, oh, the shucks. player that JMU had to have this year on the field, had to ignore all the legal problems that came with that kid just to make sure to get him on that field. But the NFL teams aren't touching him. So uh, I, I just got to be honest. I was really a Riley Stapleton fan before I knew about his personal life and I think before the events that we became aware of. Um, then I was the exact opposite, rooting against him. And I still am. For as much trash we're talking on Ben DiNucci, I'll be rooting for him before I'll be rooting for Riley Stapleton. Yeah. So I hope we don't really hear any more Riley Stapleton news. And uh, hopefully he has his life straight. Um, and in the way I'm saying, maybe no news about Riley Stapleton's good news. Um, but definitely, I don't believe he deserves a shot at the NFL. I don't. I think he's borderline at best. And I, if you take his personal conduct in, in line with it, I'd you, you got to leave him out. Let I agree. His brother have a chance with Texans, but he doesn't need one. I agree. Um, I, and I have said that 
to uh, you know a, a particular JMU season ticket holder that I have conversations with on a regular basis that I'm related to. Um, we have this conversation about how he he predicted at the end of the year that four JMU Dukes were to get drafted. I laughed at him. Oh, my goodness. Um, I told him that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard him say. Uh, but he uh, he believed that. And uh, it's not my brother who has been on this podcast. I do want to clarify that. Um, but uh, I told him, because he said Riley Stapleton definitely getting drafted. I told him, I thought Riley Stapleton was a sixth or seventh round draft pick before the legal issue. And after the legal issue, he's not going to get drafted. A sixth to seventh round projected guy doesn't get drafted and doesn't get signed when they have legal issues. Because an NFL team looks at him as a fringe guy anyway, and they say, nope, not worth the headache superstar yeah you'll put up with a lot Uh, look at antonio brown he played for three different teams last year you know who's not going to play for three different teams or he well he was a part of three organizations he was part of the steelers he was was part of the steelers he got traded to the raiders and then the raiders uh cut him and he went to the patriots yes i'm counting the steelers he was a part of three different organizations despite all the you know nonsense that he presented but that's an all pro. Riley Stapleton is a fringe guy, and they're not gonna, you're just not gonna put up with that from a fringe guy. And so I don't think he's going to be signed. I might be wrong. I didn't think Ben DiNucci was gonna get drafted. So maybe I'm wrong. But Dylan Stapleton does sign with the Houston Texans, which is great. Brandon Polk, a wide receiver, he ended up with the LA Rams, and John Daca went to the Ravens. Uh, and as you said, Rondell Carter with the Cowboys. I actually thought Rondell Carter was the best player from JNU in the draft, and I was surprised that he didn't get drafted. But uh, you know, whatever. I think he has a better chance of making the Cowboys than Ben DiNucci. On the topic of JMU, I took the bait late Saturday, and there was the talk on Twitter. And if anybody wants to hear my thoughts, go back to my Twitter. It's not worth your time. It's well, it wasn't worth my time talking about it, and it was until the sobering daylight before I realized it wasn't worth my time to talk about. But JMU people out there tried to make some stats to put them on the same level of ACC teams, particularly Virginia Tech, and, you know, talk about how many players they've had drafted two in the last two years um, and how many Hall of Famers they have one and tried to equate that to Virginia Tech. I just, it's just not, we're not on equal grounds here. I, I, I root for JMU all the time. I just don't see how that argument is justified. I'll pause because I know your answer and let you respond Am I off base at all of saying there's no there's just no universe that these two programs are at the same level? No, and I did read it because I'm a sucker for comments anyway. So when I saw that you were tweeting a Twitter page that is usually fairly negative about JMU when it comes to basketball, and that's why I follow them is because they don't try to sugarcoat it. Um, I saw the tweet you and you just mentioned it, and then I saw your comments and I saw some of the replies, and one of the favorite comments out of jmu nation right now is well tech is obviously trending downward and we're trending in the right direction and if you don't if you can't see that that we're closer then i don't know i'm like oh walt disney's company is losing i think an estimated 30 million dollars a day i'm not losing money right now during the pandemic so yeah i'm going in a better i'm going me and walt disney are going in different directions (laughs) but we're not in the same universe so i don't know what you're getting at jmu is not in the same galaxy as virginia tech or uva any ACC team. or uva yeah uh yeah i agree any acc wake forest they're not in the same universe no 
Georgia Tech is going to be better. Georgia Tech is going to get better eventually. They've got to go through and they have to rebuild their system. So I think if for I think if JMU played Georgia Tech right now, maybe they could beat them in a one-off. But okay, so Georgia Tech and Wake Forest, we always you know throw to the bottom of the ACC, and and maybe UVA was there at their times, but maybe Virginia Tech's there now. I don't know. All no. of them still better than what JMU is because even if your team is terrible, you're still an ACC caliber team, and even if you're not good, you still have Florida State, Clemson, Miami. Other good teams rolling through town that never come to Harrisonburg. So you, no matter what, you have more value, more national appeal, everything. It's just not the same. Here's the point that JMU fans need to just grasp. When they see things and they, they go back to, they're holding on to this 21-16 victory over Virginia Tech. <sighs> uh, 2025 can't get here soon enough. And I just hope, again, I went to JMU, I root for JMU, unless they're playing Virginia Tech, and this is why. Because Virginia Tech decided to play varsity football. So when they decided to play varsity football, that's my favorite college football team. JMU is secondary, and I never want the JV team to beat the varsity team because it's it's a train wreck when that happens. Yeah, but it was embarrassing when it in, happened. I'm not proud of in it. In 2025, I hope Virginia Tech, and whoever is the coach then, runs up the <laughs> score. I hope they run the score up on JMU I hope they don't call off the dogs. I want them to blow them out. If they want to put the backups in so the starters don't get hurt in a meaningless football game, because that's right, I said JMU's meaningless opponent, uh, that's fine. I just hope they keep passing and light them up. Because I want Virginia Tech's backups to be in in the second half and continue to blow out JMU with the backups in, throwing the ball all over the field, running all over the field, blitzing, blowing up whatever goofball quarterback they have that thinks uh, that they think is the best player in the state of Virginia. Uh, I just want them to annihilate them off the face of the earth so badly that the AD for a split second thinks about folding the football program and the head coach immediately leaves to take an FBS offer after the game, because I I just want JMU to be totally demoralized. We have the most delusional fans in the entire world. There is no way, no way your FCS national championship matters as much as the car care bowl or whatever the continental tire bowl or whatever it's called now. I don't even know what the bowl is called, but I care about that. I care about that more than I care about the FCS national championship. And they admit that themselves because they cite beating Virginia tech before they cite their two national championships. It's, and it's just, I mean, they admit it themselves just in that. And I always go back to these last two points and I want to get off the subject because it's not worth our time. Number one, um, they put the national championship for one double A or whatever you want to call it now at noon on a Saturday because they can't compete with anything else. They put the D three championship in prime time In prime time. They put the D three national championship. So honestly, ESPN gives more credit to the D three. They think they're going to get more viewers for the D three championship than they will for the FCS. My second point is JMU is a stepping stone job for any coach that comes there and they're a stepping stone to East Carolina. That's what they're a stepping stone to. Virginia Tech, if we have a coach leave, they're either retiring because they've been there for 30 years, or you have to talk about Oklahoma or Florida State or one of these all-time national programs before we're actually, that's the conversation we're going to have. We are on a stepping stone to East Carolina. And maybe if I'm being a little nice about what it were a, if, if we're a stepping stone, what we would step to. I know Baylor came calling, but he didn't go. But still, 
Baylor's a better job than East Carolina. So just just know where you're at. Just recognize the room that you are in. And and this goes to the JMU fans uh, who think they can compete in the ACC. You can't. You can't compete in the ACC. You can't compete in the Big 12. You know how I know that? Because you lost to West Virginia, and West Virginia didn't even go to a bowl game this year. So stop. Um, and, and by the way, if you're waiting because you you think that JMU shouldn't go FBS unless they're going into a Power 5 conference, that's not how this works. Power 5 conferences don't value 1AA teams. They will pick from Conference USA, the MAC, the Sun Belt, the Sun Belt that we're too good for. Uh, they'll pick from those conferences first. That's where they're going. So that's why you have to go to one of those conferences. And when JMU goes FBS, that's fine. Then I'll start paying attention. Then actual fans will show up to the first two games of the year because they're not playing playing Central Connecticut State. Yeah, you're not playing Robert Morris or Central Connecticut State. So people will go to the games and they'll watch. Um, You're not on Flow Sports, so people will be able to watch it on TV. Uh, you're, You're in a conference that's on Flow Sports and you play JV football, and that's fine. But just stop trying to compare yourself to varsity football and big boy football. You're not Virginia Tech. You're not UVA. You're not anybody in the FBS because you're in the FCS and you don't matter. Quick thoughts on your Ravens. We don't have to cover everybody that they got, but your quick thoughts about the draft. Uh, it was fine. Uh, I like Patrick Queen. I thought that was a good pick. J.K. Dobbins uh, is going to be great to have for a few years with the rookie contract. So because I, we go through running backs, you know, once yeah, or twice a year. I mean, out. Yeah, we'll cycle them out. We don't re-sign them. So J.K. Dobbins will ride you for four years or whatever the rookie contract is now. And then you'll be on your way. Um, but yeah, it'll be great to have him to help Mark Ingram this year. I thought the defensive tackle from Texas A&M was an, was an interesting pick because defensive tackle wasn't necessarily a need, but it was kind of one of those things where he was the best player available at the time. Uh, and that's that's how Baltimore's always drafted. They haven't necessarily drafted by need solely. If, if the best player available is really a good player that they like, they'll take him, even if it's not in a position of need. And that's fine. And that, that helps us because we definitely, in the NFL, there's definitely your fair share of injuries. And so you just plug another guy in there and it helps. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, I liked our draft. Uh, the experts liked our draft. Not that that matters, but uh, I'm excited and we didn't do anything crazy. For the Steelers, I liked that Chase Claypool wide receiver. I like the big body wide receiver there. I like the running back McFarland out of Maryland. Uh, like like you guys, we cycle guys through because they're they're already talking about you know moving Connor out. Uh, so we'll cycle him. We'll we'll get McFarland in there, run him. And uh, apparently Carlos Davis is good just because he's from Nebraska. That's what I hear from from one of our new listeners. Uh, what I was more excited about this weekend, the dress fine. I I just trust it. I was, I was happy we didn't sign Jameis Winston. Apparently, we were talking with him. Apparently, the Steelers made him an offer. Man, I'm glad he didn't take it. I'm glad he's apparently going to New Orleans. Uh, I have I want nothing to do with Jameis Winston. I don't want to play. I, I, I want nothing to do with him. I don't want him on 40 my touchdowns. team. 40 touchdowns. Say that again? 40 touchdowns, didn't he have last year or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, 30? I don't want him on my team. I don't want anything to do with him. He's a crazy person. Um, I guess playing against him is good because he'll throw you the ball a lot. But... Uh, we still have addressed the quarterback position like New England. We didn't draft a quarterback. And uh, looking to the future, you think we might would have. Um, I wonder what we have planned. I trust the Steelers in a draft. I don't trust what they've done so far with the quarterback position. So I'm anxious to hear uh, an update on that news, signing a free agent or otherwise. Uh, but that was my view of the Steelers this weekend. Uh, yeah, we'll see. All right. Stay in on the new things to talk about. Uh, 
Last Dance. Last week, we did not talk about it on our abbreviated version of the podcast. Um, I'm enjoying that. I really am enjoying it. Um, I think it's really well made, and but that was expected. I think living up to expectations was what I was worried about, and for me, it has. I'm really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, uh, I thought it. I like it. Um, I've enjoyed watching it, but the thing that I don't like in the documentary is it kind of jumps back and forth between 97, 98, and then let's rewind all the way back to Jordan's childhood, and then let's get back to 97, 98, and let's go back to his early NBA career, and then we'll go back to his college career, and then we'll skip back to 97, 98. And all the jumping around at times, I'm just like, uh, it just doesn't flow well with me. It's just how I prefer it. Now, I understand when you know each one of these episodes so far has kind of focused on a different person. So episode one, obviously, was Jordan-centric. Uh, episode two was Pippinish. Uh, episode three was mostly Rodman. Episode four was Phil Jackson with some Dennis Rodman. I understand at the beginning of those episodes, like going back, like maybe starting and being like, okay, this is the thing in 97, 98, and then going back to the childhood and working your way forward from there back to 97, 98. But they don't seem to do that. So I don't know. It, it still kind of jumps around. That's my only complaint with it. Um, I will say uh, in this latest episode, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, go ahead and fast forward a little bit. Uh, but I thought Isaiah Thomas's reason for not shaking hands was total oh. nonsense. Yeah. He's, I, he's, no way. You know what? I I knew I didn't like him, and it, I've always heard. I felt bad that Jordan. Why. I felt bad that Jordan didn't let him on the dream team, and kind of like told Team USA basketball that it was him or Isaiah. They couldn't have both, and <laughs> yeah. then then Isaiah didn't get picked, and that's how Christian Leitner made the team. I kind of felt bad for Isaiah until like I heard his excuse for why they didn't shake hands. It was like, oh, that's just how it was back then. I was like, no, it wasn't like, <laughs> that's, yeah. no, it wasn't. And so like Jordan shook his hand the two previous years. Like, what do you want? Yeah. And I, it's just, I, and like, I don't care what the Celtics did to you. You be better. And, yeah. And so I don't feel I, bad I, for Isaiah anymore. Yeah. I don't, I knew I didn't like him. I think just, just solidified it. And like here in his own words, I think I've heard these stories and it's about Isaiah. But to hear Isaiah, Isaiah talk right there was just like, yeah, man, uh, I don't know, dog. <laughs> it's just like, you got to get out. Yeah, and it's so a, I don't like him. I don't like him. It's um, a no for me, dog. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's a no for me, dog. I think the Rodman stuff, there was already a 30 for 30 on Rodman. So some of that, a lot of that stuff we already kind of knew, especially the Detroit Pistons stuff. But just kind of seeing it intertwined with this and Honestly, it just comes down to hearing Michael talk, hearing Michael Jordan sit there and talk. And from episode one through episode four now, just hearing his thoughts in his own words, using the curse words where he wants to use the curse words. I just I'm really enjoying it. And, it, I, you know, they take all this stuff for 80s kids and try to bring it back. And there's the Ninja Turtles that come back. And I mean, Stranger Things, they're making that to, to go for the 80s kids to like, you know, have that kind of feel for it. This is my favorite thing created of like going back and retalking. And it's just, it's my prime childhood that's kind of being relived. And when I was in third grade to eighth grade, NBA basketball was the most important thing. And so this is just reliving all that. And I think that's why the jumping around the timeline doesn't bother me as much because I remember so much of this. So when they jump, I really know where they jump to and what they're talking about. And, and so maybe they're, I, th I saw that on Twitter somewhere. Some people are like, wait, are, what are they talking about? Is this now or then I'm never having that problem while I'm watching it. 
I like the jumping around. I watch TV shows that jump around. So it's really not even, I, I like how it's done. I really like that they're telling this story of 97, 98 and where it's appropriate. They go build why that's relevant or where it came from. And I think it worked really good with the Rodman being on the Pistons to build into Rodman being on the Bulls. Um, but even even in episodes one and two where they did it, I it didn't bother me whatsoever. Um, so I, I really like it. I just can't remember the last time that I've been this excited to watch a TV series. And I'm putting this in the realm of, you know, this isn't live sports. So I, I probably get more excited about big games. But just weekly sit down. We're going to be watching this at nine o'clock, the live when it comes on. I'm not D I mean, I'm DVR in it, but I'm watching it live. Like I can't remember the last time I was like this. And um, I mean, it's been, you know, prime office. I was really into lost. I know you weren't, but that show would, you know, get you on the edge of your seat. Um, it's been at least since then. And so I, it's, it's just nice to have something that I'm really looking forward to Sundays at nine o'clock. Sundays at nine o'clock used to be Game of Thrones time, so I'm not with you there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like I said, I think the jumping around is the only complaint I have. It doesn't make me not like it. Um, I, I would say in terms of TV shows that do it, those are typically not good TV shows. But um, yeah, I, I, the documentary is fine. It, it's good. I like it. Um, and like you, I'm I'm definitely glued to the TV when it comes on Sunday at nine. So. Uh, it's fun to watch. I watch it live and, and then, you know, I, I go to bed after that. Uh, but <laughs> I was, I was fired up last night. I could have gone in the driveway and shot hoops for the rest of the night. Again, I wanted the rest of them last night. I, I if they just would have said, all right, we fooled you for a week. Now we're going to give you the rest of them. I had sat there and watched eight, eight straight hours of the show. Like I, I was fired up, ready to watch more. I was ready to play basketball. I was ready to do anything. <laughs> I, was, I, I was had, fired up. yeah, I had two takeaways <laughs> from the Rodman one. Um, the first one being, I think the most shocking thing I've learned in this entire four episodes so far that Dennis Rodman has never used drugs. That was shocking to me. Did he say never, or did he say didn't use them when he was on the Pistons? I, no, he said he's never used drugs. Cause that was, was part of like the childhood thing that he walked past that every time he goes, yeah. I never got in. He's like, I've never been into that. I was like, stunner. I guess, I guess even hearing him say that, maybe I just took it more at the time. But you didn't I'll, I'm going to rewatch it. I watched you didn't episodes one and two back. I'll watch three and four back. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. If he's never taken drugs, that's a shocker. Obviously, he drinks because we were watching him do it. Oh, but yeah, uh, no yeah if he doesn't have back. something that's at a higher uh, value of messing you up, is shocking. Yeah, and then I thought the other thing from the Rodman episode that was interesting was uh, just the school he played for, Southeast Oklahoma State. I don't know if you caught it. I did. Uh, and I was like, I recognize this school name from somewhere. And they were on an NCAA list of offensive names uh, back when that was a thing. And the NCAA got in some trouble because they labeled Florida State's chief uh, the mascot as offensive. Uh, and that was designed by the Seminole tribe. So that was where the NCAA got some, tr in some trouble trying to tell Florida state that they were being offensive when Florida state got permission from the Seminoles tribe to have that mascot and they let them design it. But anyway, of all the names that were on there, some schools ended up changing their name because of the NCAA saying that they wouldn't be allowed to host events, uh, if they kept their name and native American imagery, 
Florida State got an exception. There's been some other ones that had exceptions. But uh, one of the lists, the one on the list that I was like, okay, I'll give you that one, NCAA, was Southeast Oklahoma State. And I didn't realize it because when they said he went to a school called Southeast Oklahoma State. And for a split second, I was like, why is that familiar? And then you watched him play basketball and you saw the name on the front. And it was Savages. And I was like, got it. That's why. I remember that. And I'll give that to you, NCAA. That one is offensive. So, <laughs> yeah, that is. Don't watch, don't go back and watch Peter Pan. I did that like two weeks ago. And there's a lot of problems with Indians in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that. I, I, I was aware. Um, also, Pocahontas has savages. It was driven home watching it with the kids the other week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. This pretty much the whole scene with the Native Americans yeah, would tough. definitely yeah, not get past today. Yeah. All right. So some local, some local local news, college basketball news, two guys doing the grad transfer or, or just transfer out grad transfer for Justin Kyer out of Spotswood. He's one of the best ball, basketball players I've ever covered. Uh, Tyler Nickel has a chance to, to surpass him, but Justin Kyer was so smooth, so good for the Spotswood Trailblazers. We covered them playing uh, at that time, Robert E. Lee a lot. Uh, he was at George Mason he got hurt last season, but now he's using his grad transfer. He's going to go play for Georgia. Georgia is one of those teams. They they did really good in the recruiting trail like a year ago, maybe two years ago. That's a team that you kind of need to watch out for. So I'm kind of excited for Justin Kyer to be there next year, and maybe next year is the year Justin uh, that Georgia kind of makes a run uh, to the top of the SEC. I don't know what that will put him in the tournament, but uh, you know that could be interesting. So watch for him there. And then Landers Nolly. Uh, this guy, this this guy, you know, I felt bad for him when they kept him out because they claimed he potentially cheated or whatever on his ACT. But he came to the Hokies. He was marked ineligible. Then he finally got eligible again. Then he played for us. Now, then he was in the transfer portal. Then he went to Memphis. And then on Friday or Saturday, he declared that he was going to the draft. So without ever playing a game at Memphis, he declares for the for the NBA draft. And then on Monday today, when while we're recording, he said, "No, I'm staying at Memphis." So this kid, I I don't know, maybe he did cheat on his ACT because I mean he doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing at all in life. Maybe they told him the check was lost in the mail and he didn't trust him, and so then they hand delivered it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not rooting for this kid. I'm not. I, I a lot of times these transfers and stuff, I try to be easy on them. Guys that decommit, I try to be easy on them because I realize they make decisions when they're 18 and it's hard for them to make sure that's the right decision when they're 18. But this guy's chose a lot of different things in a short amount of time. I am not rooting for him at Memphis. I assume Memphis, I, everything Memphis does, I assume they're cheating in some way. And for him to buy into that program, not a good sign. And then this whole draft, oh, never mind over two day period. Just I'm, I'm done with the kid. I don't want to even hear his name. Yeah. I don't know who this Landers Nolly kid that you keep mentioning is. I've yeah. uh, never heard of him. Uh, yeah. yeah. Don't know who that is. He's in, he's in Blackshear's company, huh? Uh, who's Blackshear? <laughs> exactly. All right. To wrap up the a block and we'll swift through this. Uh, just talking a little bit about sports that are delayed or coming back. The NFL, their most recent thing is they're putting the schedule out here. I believe in the next two weeks, beginning of May here, and apparently built into it, they have a contingency plan for starting the season late. Found that interesting. 
Major League Baseball now, instead of just playing in Arizona, they're talking about playing in Florida, Texas, and Arizona. Okay. I want to see dates before I'm that worked up about any of this. And then the NBA, and this seems kind of unfair to me, they're in localities where they've softened restrictions. They're going to let NBA offices open back up. I think NBA has got to kind of across the board. We're either open or closed. I think you start to have unfair, um, you know, unfairness if if you have some facilities open some not so i'm actually kind of surprised with that but those are the three american uh sports that's kind of the update of where they're at again i i don't really care about this talk until i hear they're coming back on this date then i'll start worrying about what it is and when it is i agree uh i'm not too invested in all this because i just don't know like i i know that they're coming up with these contingency plans and that's fine that they're coming up with them I don't need them leaked out to the media, really. I, I think that's kind of where we've gotten reckless. And I know you have Premier League question mark hoping that I have something. I don't, because when it comes to European soccer news, it's really hard to get reliable information anyway, because if you think American sports and speculation is crazy, uh, you haven't seen anything. European <laughs> transfer rumors... European soccer news is absolutely bananas. There are publications that will literally run a story, say they have sources, and then when the thing breaks apart, they say, oh, well, actually, we didn't have a source. Or the source was a towel guy involved with the club. So no one that would actually have any knowledge. Uh, They they do it to sell stuff. Uh, In America, you know, I guess there's some of that going on. I think this whole pandemic is probably the most egregious form of it in terms of oh well look at what the MLB is doing they're talking about this I'm like it's very early stages I don't even think like looking back now I don't think Major League Baseball with their talk of a possible you know community in Arizona to play all 30 teams there I don't even think that was real I think that was just a plan that somebody floated they were talking trying to figure out how realistic of an option that was and then somebody ran with it and then it blew up and so they're like okay well I mean this is dead now that we look more into it and realize that this isn't an actual viable thing. Um, so now you see him talking about three different locations. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't think we're going to have a major league baseball season. I keep saying this every week, uh, but we'll see. I do agree with you in terms of the NBA news. I think it's got to be all or none. I-, I think you open all the facilities or you open none of the facilities because you do, you create a competitive advantage for the teams that can go into their facilities and work out and practice and all that uh the premier league i think they're still trying to get the season finished there has been talk from uefa of just taking points per game uh and so uh if they do that liverpool still wins the league uh and that's how they would decide champions league and all that fun stuff for the next season uh the null and void is looking more and more like that's not an option for the Premier League uh, for legal reasons and just for financial reasons uh, because they stand to lose a lot of money if they null and void it uh, with a lot of broadcasting and media companies. So I think they're going to try to finish it for the financial reasons. If they can't, they're just going to take it, uh, like like I said, a points per match. Uh, have everybody go back to the last time everybody played or, you know, acts, whoever's played extra games, acts those points off. And then whatever the, the uh, table is, is what the table is. But yeah. uh, I, it, Liverpool looks to be winning the league, whether they finish or not. 
canceled recently the X Games in July, which is a TV event anyway for ESPN, oh, and I and there's build up to that, so you got to cancel that. Fine, um, but still, I wanted to bring that up just because like I think we saw things in May canceled, and then things in June, and now we're seeing things in July canceled. So. Can I just say that is, I am actually fine with that. I'm happy that the X Games was canceled. I would actually rather never have the X Games than have sports. If if it if the X Games was the only sports we could have, I'd rather just not have it. <laughs> I don't get fired up about X. I'm I'm fine with them existing, but no. uh, I don't even watch it. But uh, it's a, a big event canceled in July, and that's kind of a later date than we have been seeing for canceled stuff. Something coming back: PBR, the Pro uh, Bull Riding. They're coming back in May in Guthrie, Oklahoma. They're going to have an event that weekend uh, in middle of May. Uh, I don't think I have a date on that, but um, and then it'll be on TV. So we'll see live event with no fans in the middle of May. Um, I don't watch much bull riding. Uh, I have watched bull riding, but I don't yeah. really watch it anymore now. I I don't know. I guess that's a sport. I, I guess you, I guess that makes sense. I don't know if it does or doesn't, but. There's I'm something, just not into there's it. something coming back. Yeah, I'm just not into it. Um, like you, yeah. I've seen it before. I've watched it before. And if it's on and somebody else wants to watch it, I'm not going to say no. Uh, but it's not something I'm going to flip the TV yeah. to. So when I, it's on at noon before like a one o'clock get basketball game in the middle of winter, like I'll I'll turn it over there. 15, watch the last 15 minutes before the basketball game comes on. I used to watch with my uncle a lot. I have no problem for it. It's just not something I tune into. But I, I guess it's a good sign. There's something coming back. I, I also want to say that ESPN and the KBO, which is the Korean baseball organization, uh, are in talks to have KBO games put on ESPN, which I think is great because I just yeah. want baseball at this point. And if it has to be Korean baseball, so be it. Uh, I'll watch Hunsu Kim. He used to be an Oriole. He's back in the KBO, I think. So I'll root on Hunsu Kim. If they want to put on the Taiwan Baseball League, too. I'll root for that. I don't care. I just want baseball. I don't care how I get it. I just want baseball. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get to the B block and talk to Michael Phillips and dig into the Redskins. We kind of blew past them in our talk, and let's see what Michael thinks about what they did. All right, next on the Yak Sports Podcast, we have Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch to talk uh, with the Redskins focus, but talk about the uh, NFL draft from the past weekend. But Michael, before we roll into the actual sports news. How's, how's things going for you in Richmond and, and with all the coronavirus reaction, how are, how are you doing? Yeah, good good to have a good draft, obviously, and we're all staying safe here, hunkering down, and uh, great to have some football to talk about for sure. For sure, no doubt. So looking at the Redskins, kind of compared to what you were expecting them to do before the draft and, and then how they did, how, how do you think the Redskins, um, how do you with this draft sure well you start with the fact that they were three and 13 last year bad football team so they had a lot of needs and, and certainly they addressed a lot of them also when you're three and 13 you're not going to be able to get to everything i uh, didn't get a quarterback didn't get a tight end those are two things you would have really liked to have seen them uh, but on the whole i, I could, can't argue with any of the picks I, I thought it was great selections across the board uh, they filled some holes they built some depth uh, they got more athletic on offense more playmakers lots to like there when it comes to who they did get, Chase Young, uh, 
I know there was some talk before the draft of him potentially, or the Redskins potentially trying to trade out of that number two pick. And then once the draft day came, that really wasn't a thing that happened. And they went ahead and took Chase Young, who a lot of people said was the best player in the draft. What kind of impact does that have with a coach like Ron Rivera in a new system to be able to take a guy with Chase Young type talent? Since Dan Snyder bought the team, that was in 1999, the Redskins have not had a player named to the all-pro team at the end of the year. Think about that. That's a long, long run. This is the guy who might do it. You don't want to put too much type on too soon, but he was the best player in the draft. He was the best player in college. Uh, He is very comparable to Nick Bosa, who absolutely made that kind of impact for the San Francisco 49ers last year. I think expectations are super high, and I think they should be. He's he's the real deal. He is really, really good, uh, and he's going to transform this pass rush, which is already pretty good to begin with. So when it comes to, again, another position that they drafted, uh, when you have a guy like Chase Young on the defensive side, the wide receivers, is that something that you see them having an impact early on, or is that more of a they need to keep grooming them at wide receiver? Yeah, Antonio Gandy-Golden I thought was a great pick. Good value in the fourth round. You're talking about it was a deep draft for wide receivers, and that was to the detriment of Antonio Gandy-Golden but to the benefit of the Washington Redskins, who got really a player who had no business sliding to the fourth round because he was properly selected among this year's wide receivers. The class was really good. The guys better than him got taken before him. Um, but because of that, they were able to get real value late uh, at a time when you normally would be able to find a receiver who sits for can make a play like that. I'm really excited about that pick. And then obviously Antonio Gibson from Memphis, he's, he's going to be in the running backs room. He's going to work with the running backs, uh, but he's the guy who can get out in space, catch a pass, run was a wide receiver at Memphis. Love the emphasis on speed, playmaking, um, all that. You know, those are things this offense really needs, big plays, and uh, I think those guys can provide it. So from my view of the Redskins, and to be fair, I'm not some Homer fan of them, so I, I might be a little more grounded than most of the people around me that are uh, diehards. But, I mean, I, I take the hiring of Rivera, Adam Del Rio, the coaching staff, and then what they've done in this draft is just the early steps to, you know, improving this franchise. But in no way do I look at this and just think, hey, they're going to be adding a lot of wins just based on what I've seen already. And, and I kind of put them sitting in a top 10, if not top five pick again next year. What What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it depends a lot on how much practice time they get, too. I think that could really hurt them if this is the kind of scenario where the season's, you know, hey, you know, you're at training camp for a couple of weeks and we're going to start the season or some preseason games get canceled. Uh, you know, new coaches need time to put in their system. And he doesn't have a full slate of, of guys yet. I mean, there, there's still a lot of holes on this team. NFC East, man, NFC East has some good receivers. You look around. Cowboys added another. Eagles added another. They already had good receivers to start with. Redskins don't have any cornerbacks. And, and you know, their, their safety right now, Landon Collins, is all right. That second safety slot is unsettled. Their pass defense could still be really, really bad this year. I mean, they're, they're going to count on Chase Young to get to the quarterback because that's the only option. Uh, yeah, I, I think this could absolutely still be a rough season. I, I think the more practice time they get, the better it'll be. Um, but this, this this is still a process. I I think they could. I think they could go from three to six wins. I really do. I think they could double up their win total. But yeah, six win teams still pick early in the draft. That's for sure. 
so I know this is one of the most overdone things when, especially when a draft is over and it's also one of the more pointless exercises because you don't, you haven't seen anything yet, but, uh, in, since we're doing a sports podcast, we'll ask you, uh, what is your overall thoughts on the Redskins draft and what grade would you give them? Yeah. You know, I, I think you give them a B. I, I think if they, they addressed their holes and they got good players for those holes. This is Sadiq Charles, the offensive lineman from LSU. He'll determine which way this class goes to a large extent. Look, Chase Young's going to be good. He's going to be very good at what he does. His late round guys aren't expected to stick on the roster, so anything you get out of them is a bonus. But to go, you know, in a marquee pick, they're starting the fourth round. To go with a guy who, who's got high potential, but also a lot of red flags, a lot of potential issues, if he pans out, you know, if he can replace Trent Williams eventually, this was a great draft. You got some playmakers. And you got a left tackle in the fourth round. That's insane. If he doesn't pan out, you're back to the drawing board at a really, really important position. So looking overall, kind of back into the whole entire NFL, what's one storyline that either surprised you the most or is, is kind of the thing you're talking about most today that isn't involved in the Redskins? Man, I, I think the NFC West is just crazy good this year. I thought Arizona, who, who got a lot better last year, you know, I wasn't a fan of Kyler Murray coming in. He proved me wrong in the Cliff Kingsbury system. I think they did really well together in year one. They got some playmakers too, man. I think Arizona's going to be good. We know Seattle's good. Shoot, we know 49ers are good. They went to the Super Bowl. And the Rams were in the Super Bowl two years ago themselves. What, what a division. Man. Those guys are going to beat up on each other. That's that's a really, really good football division right there. Hey, and I think the other big one you got to point to is the Packers taking a quarterback, going with Jordan Love, training into the first round to do it. Man, I, I, I would have loved to have had a camera on Aaron yeah. Rodgers' reaction to learning about that one. For sure. Yeah, we, we've already talked about that for the podcast. But, uh, yeah, that was I think that was the biggest thing I took away. I was talking more about Packers than I was talking about my Steelers, uh, just because <laughs> I think it's insane. <laughs> Oh, just, just an all-timer of a move there to, to, to undercut Aaron Rodgers with, with multiple years left on the deal. I mean, I know they talked about the age of Brett Favre when they got Aaron Rodgers and they're making those comparisons to only one-year difference, but it feels different. It, it really does. It, it, and plus with – I mean, that was I, – I, I don't know. I guess I thought Aaron Rodgers was better coming out of college than what I, I believe love is. So I, it's just surprising. Yeah, love needs a couple of years. And the question is how much coaching, how much time, and how many reps he'll get. Because that's a team that's still trying to win football games right now, too. It could use a wide receiver, maybe, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael. Well, when you're not covering the Redskins, and uh, now that you've got another little break after the draft, uh, what are you doing uh, in terms of binge watching or TV shows or movies that you would recommend to listeners? Yeah, man. Uh, I've been watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know if you guys have seen that uh, comedy. It's, it's the guy who wrote The Office. Uh, it's just very, very much in that that vein. Very funny. I'm, I'm a comedy guy, so I love that. Uh, I actually just watched today. ESPN's got an app. Alex Smith documentary. I did read related. It's coming out this week on uh, Friday night. Uh, it's gross. Uh, they show the surgery on his leg, and it's disgusting. Uh, it's, it's Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's really well done. All right. Well, thank you, Michael, for taking the time to talk to us. I know you've got a busy schedule, and we really appreciate you making the time to come and talk to us. Uh, my pleasure. 
All right, here with the D block. No bracket this week. We we had a lot of sports to talk about this week, so we will uh, use up a bracket next week or so. Uh, but jumping in, what's dominating my life? I'll go first. Uh, watching the draft, we kind of left out the entertainment value of the draft. The draft was up in ratings, but I think that was a lot of to do with people being at home and, and really seeking some new sports information. Uh, the way I took it in in my living room, uh, and I had a Skype. Uh, or Zoom, uh, six people, five, six people of my, of my Virginia Tech friends, and we were just watching it, and uh, we had a lot of comments about Cliff Clinsbury's house. We had talks about Belichick's house, which was very normal, very opposite end of the spectrum there between Cliff Clinsbury out there in Arizona and, and Bill Belichick's house up in New England. Uh, but uh, more of that kind of stuff. It was cool to see these guys at home with their families, see their different setups, um, see how much they cared that the camera was there or didn't care that the camera was there. And I don't think there's any linear relationship to how good a football team you are based on that. It's just, it's just interesting because you did have that kind of inside access. I like that the families were there. I guess having my kids sitting in the family room while I'm watching it, I thought it was cool that these guys, while they're doing it, had their families there. I think it might ground some of these guys on, you know, the war room. I, I, they'll get back to the war rooms. They'll be there. But I think it might ground some of these guys on, you know, they still probably, they had successful drafts. Like nobody just really messed up unless maybe Green Bay didn't. I don't know, but it, it can happen without all, you know, the seriousness and the, you know, 50 hours and two days spent away from their house. Like they got it done. So I just wonder if, I, I'm interested to see how this changes things. I thought some of the viral things that were funny with the girl and the player, and I honestly forget which player it was, when the girlfriend just grabbed the phone out of the boyfriend's CD hand Land. and then he just, grabbed it back like i thought that was hilarious um but uh i i don't know i i thought it was funny uh, it was fun to enjoy it the way we did we've never watched the draft all on zoom or skype before i bet we do now and uh you know the draft will go back to being a big glitzy show i bet we start watching it with each other like that again because it kind of made it it made it more fun because I, I mean i i put the draft on but i go out with, with what i'm doing doing other things. I paid more attention to it because we were talking about it. We synced it up. Uh, you know, we all paused at the same minute mark so we could make sure we all like were at the same point. Um, so I don't know. I had fun with it. And uh, I probably sat there more on Thursday night than I ever had in the last couple years, especially with kids around um, than I had the years previous. So I, I thought it was more interesting for that sake, but it was more social than it was the product from the TV. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't. I watched a little bit of Thursday night. I still night. didn't watch Friday or Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I watched a little bit of Thursday night, and then I got bored because it's the draft, and my biggest problem with the draft is that we don't have a draft. We have so much time wasting. Uh, it took us 20 minutes before we even started the draft after 8 o'clock, uh, which, whatever. Um, I get there's a pandemic. We have to acknowledge it. I didn't need eight different people to talk about it before a single pick was made. But okay. Um, I found the fans in the background. It was supposed to be virtual booing. I found that to be stupid. I, I liked it. I liked it when the team started not having enough to fill it out. Like, yeah. Like you had like, what, 32 fans back there. And then very quickly it's like down to like 25 and then, 15, like, I just thought I that, thought that was, was dumb. Really funny. <laughs> I just hated it. I thought it was so dumb. Uh, nobody booed. Uh, so that was dumb. 
I think the booing's dumb. I I just I, think I like booing dumb. Roger Goodell. Um, I wish that fans were allowed at the MLB draft so they could boo Rob Manfred. Uh, I I thought the fans behind and the little video cameras were dumb. I thought uh, that the fact that we have to wait two extra minutes after a pick is in to hear who the pick is is dumb. Um, I don't need to watch ten minutes of Joe Burrow highlights when the next when the second pick is in. You had your chance to run Joe Burrow highlights, ESPN. It was called literally mid march on, and they and they did, and you did, <laughs> and we had that before the as before the Bengals pick was in because the Bengals waited, I guess, for fun uh, for five minutes because it was like, oh, well, who are the Bengals going to take? That's I hate that. When the, when the team knows what they're doing with the number one pick, just go up there and just say it. Like, why do we have to wait? The Redskins knew what they were doing with the number two pick when they didn't trade it. Go up there and pick Jace Young. But uh, to be fair, like everything that you're knocking on the draft is the same every year. It, it is the same every year. It's why year. I hate the like, draft. It's why I hate the draft. This year's the same. The only difference was we got to see the inside of people's homes, which you I don't watch more than you usually do. I don't actually care. Uh, I watched more than I did the year before. I've there's been other years where I've actually sat down and watched the draft. And then I realized I don't like this. This is boring. Uh, and it was boring again this year. I watched it just to see if there was going to be technical glitches. There weren't. So uh, uh, except for Trey Wingo tossing it to no one and then everyone staring at him blankly, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. But but honestly, those kind of glitches happen. I mean, like that wasn't that bad. I think I mean, I was I was waiting for some team going crazy because some internet issue and the, and the guy coming and have to rush out of the RV from the driveway to fix somebody's internet connection. That's the story as I was waiting on. And they didn't really happen. I think the, this, the media, you know, throwing it to somebody not, I mean, that stuff happens on live TV that, I mean, that wasn't that different. I, I don't know. I, I watched more this year than I generally do, but it was more of a social thing. And that, and that takes me back to college when we probably watched more of the draft because it was a day, it was a, it was a time during the day to drink cream sodas. That was the excuse. So I don't know. It wasn't the greatest thing, but I did it. I watched it. I had fun Thursday night. I didn't. It was dumb. I hated the part that I watched. Uh, I wish the NFL draft wasn't on TV. There, I said it. It doesn't need to be on TV. The Major League Baseball talking about canceling the draft is also stupid. This thing was done over the phone. Just do it. It doesn't need to be on TV. It doesn't need to be some giant spectacle. What's the point? So I'm watching the Major League Baseball one's the most pointless one of all because to put on TV, because why do I need to see it? Why? Uh, here's some clips of this kid in high school, maybe. And some of them, we don't even have that, even though it's the first round. Uh, we're just going to show you pictures of them and we're going to show them. We're going to talk to them. And they give these bland answers because they're teenagers and they don't have any media prep. Cool. Glad we did that. That was fun for no one. Um, I just need to know who the Orioles pick and I can get it on my phone. Just alert me when the pick is in that way. I'm not wasting precious moments of my life. And it's just stupid. It's, it's so dumb. That's how I, I didn't even get to the Ravens pick live. I, I didn't, I, I watched the first 10 picks and I was like, this is horrible. I hate it. And I stopped watching. And then when the Ravens pick came in, I got an alert on my phone. said the Ravens picked, uh, Patrick queen linebacker LSU. And I was like, cool. I know who that is. Awesome. And then I went on with my night. I did not do it. Friday night, went on with my life, watched maybe two picks. Yeah, I didn't watch much Friday. And then Saturday, didn't watch it at all. 
It's just absolutely pointless. So what is dominating your life? Not the draft. Um, oh, gosh. Game night. Because we had a game night. You were a part of this one. We had, at least I thought we had fun. Um, you didn't. No, we did. I the last game I know. Last game, yeah, the last game I know you didn't get. Uh, but you missed some other good <laughs> ones. You, I wish you would have stayed because the ones we played after that were really good. And had I known that was going to be your last game, I wouldn't have picked it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun, and uh, that's what I've been doing out, on the weekend. To be fair, to be fair to that game, I was out after that game, no matter what, no matter what, like the time right. wise, like I was, I was right. Out. And that's so what I'm saying. Like, oh, this is stupid. I'm gone. It was like, eh, I gotta go. Yeah, and again, if I had known that was going to be the situation, I would have picked one of the other, either of the other two games, I think would have been more up your alley than that one. So I, uh, we'll have to do that again sometime and have you on and play those games because those are way more fun. Uh, but the, the, the trivia took me back to my days at B-Dubs, man. I used to go to B-Dubs yeah. and get a little, uh, uh, what was that, Game Changer or whatever and sure. rock it out. Yeah, man, it was good times. Yeah. But it was good. It was fun hanging out with your friends on the game night. It's cool. You know, obviously, I haven't done that kind of stuff before playing games with people online. Um, I've now played poker with another group of friends and uh, Cards Against Humanity with another group of friends. And then now there's a couple different games that we play with y'all. And I mean, it's cool to have that ability. I think we're going we're gonna to come out of this pandemic with some new things that we do. And I think that's one that's going to stick, especially playing with you and, and playing with my other friend group, I think we'll keep some of this going. Maybe it won't be every week or every two weeks. Like we're kind of on the pace now, but I still think it's going to pop up and I, I think we're going to be better for it. So um, a, a, a positive thing to come out of all this. Yeah, maybe. What do you know that I need to know? <laughs> I don't know anything. I know I need baseball. Giraffe. Yeah, I know I need baseball and I know that... <laughs> Uh, I've been watching Archer too, so I'll just do two dominate my life. I've been watching Archer. I think that was on the episode last week, but that got scrapped. Uh, yeah, that was, it's a fun show that's on FX. Uh, it's not family friendly. I wouldn't watch it with kids, but, um, because while it's crude humor and there's a lot of references that you kind of have to be paying attention to, to get it, there's enough that's just out there that they would get it. Um, there's also a lot of pop culture references and historical like one-liners that are just hilarious. Uh, I really like the show. It's animated, uh, and I I can't recommend it enough. My brother and I are going through it, watching it right now, uh, and it's about this uh, spy named Sterling Archer, whose mother runs this spy agency called ISIS. This was before the terrorist group ISIS. <laughs> After the terrorist group ISIS, they changed the name, obviously, um, but. Yeah, which that's, that's so that's why that news like that's why when that thing became a thing, because uh, I'm sitting there watching Archer. That's how I know ISIS. And then it's like there's this terrorist group called ISIS. And I was like, well, if it's anything like the Archer ISIS, they're going to be bumbling fools. And who cares? They're not going to be able to accomplish <laughs> anything. Uh, but uh, it's he's basically this, you know, macho uh, ladies man who stumbles through type. his du- stumbles through his job is really poor. He's got a drinking problem and all this other stuff. It's hilarious. Uh, but again, a really funny show. And if you get the chance to watch it, I highly recommend it. It's not something now, if you watch it from beginning to end, they do make references throughout the series about stuff in past episodes, but it's not something you have to watch 
you know, in order, start to finish. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So to the negative uh, side, uh, things to talk about, uh, just unfortunately, um, we'll start with the Statler brothers, Harold Reed. He passed away this weekend. That's a big loss for the community. Uh, Statler brothers are, you know, Stanton royalty. I mean, they, uh, you know, everybody has their stories about going and watching them play during the 4th of July uh, when they were kids, people my age, uh, and then older than me, it's even more so. I mean, it was the setting up the chairs and um, they're celebrities and, you know, they're they're a name in country music and, and they carry a lot of weight. Um, yeah, and they've been retired and they haven't been doing the 4th of July and it's not like they're creating new music, uh, but their legends still live, particularly in the area. And so uh, big news that Harold Reed died. So thoughts out to, to his family and to all the fans of the Statler brothers that, you know, had a lot of positive years of entertainment from what they produced. And uh, it, it means a lot to the community. So that was definitely negative news this weekend. Um, so also we have Mark Metcalf. He is a teacher at Fort Defiance. He passed away suddenly uh, last week. Very upsetting that this happened. Um, and a great teacher at Fort Defiance. Uh, I'm actually pretty good friends with uh, his son and their family. And so shocking news, uh, sports-wise, I played a lot of softball with the man. And uh, he also was a volleyball referee for the VHSL uh, in this area and would always see him at the games doing that. So a big loss for the community, particularly the Fort Defiance, uh, Verona community. And uh, definitely the thoughts uh, from the podcast out to his family and, and all that community that lost a big, a big piece of that community uh, last week. So uh, negative thoughts there, uh, but uh, hopefully um, we, everybody can move on and, uh, and rebound as best they can uh, missing those people in their lives uh, between the Statler brothers and uh, Mr. Metcalf there as uh, they move on. So uh, touch more of the negative. We know a lot of our media friends, uh, they're getting furloughed here and, uh, a lot of guys that have been on the podcast. I don't want to go into names and companies, but uh, we're thinking about you guys that are uh, unable to work uh, for a period of time. And uh, we appreciate what you guys do when you are working. Uh, we'll try not to bug you while you guys are not getting paid for your jobs, but uh, we appreciate what you do. And it's just a, a product of the times of that we're living in right now. Um, so hopefully everything kind of gets back to normal and uh, everybody can find a, a better way to, uh, to keep these guys uh, doing what they knew because we, we need to know about sports news and we're missing these guys when they're being furloughed. So uh, hopefully everybody, this is a good reminder of what you'd be missing when these guys are gone. I know in the times we don't have live sports right now, a lot of these guys are still putting out good Twitter content, putting out articles. I know um, uh, getting specific here, Patrick Height, he, he, he talked directly about writing different things for the news leader and taking on different role. Uh, so hopefully these times kind of remind us having media is important because we need to know what's going on with world events. Um, and yes, sure, sports is an escape from the seriousness of what we're dealing with now or any other time. Um, but it's important to have these people working and make sure uh, they're getting back to doing what they're doing. So uh, I'll, that's enough of the negative from my end. Too much of what I need to know, uh, what I know that you need to know that was negative. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. For Lila McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod. We're on Facebook, Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. 
We do have one bracket in the chamber that we didn't get to this week, like Leland said. Uh, we'll get to that next week. Please send us any more bracket ideas that you have or that brackets that you find. Uh, otherwise, we might have to start doing top fives or something. I don't know. But uh, we would love to have ideas from our listeners on segments to fill the sportsless void that we are moving into because even though the PBR will be starting soon, we won't be talking about it. You can subscribe <laughs> to this podcast. Make sure you never listen or never miss another episode. Some of you may never listen, but if you uh, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, you'll never miss another episode. And again, make sure you're sharing it with your friends. If you find particular segments or episodes great, insightful, or just downright funny, uh, and be sure to interact with us on social media. I know Leland put up the one post uh, during the week. Uh, that was great. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that more uh, next week if we're looking for something too. But until then, folks, we hope you enjoy this episode of the Yaksports Podcast. Until next week, have a good week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.